No team goes into the season without a game plan. And Buffalo Wild Wings knows that football fans need a game plan that's built for game day glory. A game plan that should include 21 signature sauces and seasonings, a great lineup of beer taps, and an arsenal of wall-to-wall TVs. All those details make for a game day plan that can't be beat. So, win or lose, if you're a football fan, you still win at having the best game day atmosphere around. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. We do it for you because you're a football fan. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Show. My name is Robert Mays. I'm a writer at The Ringer. Join me on the line. Danny Kelly. Danny, how are you? I am doing excellent. We are ready for the playoffs. Let's do this. We are. I'm in Dallas, and I have to go do dallas Cowboy things. So we're going to get <laughs> through this in a pretty with a pretty nice clip, my man. We're <laughs> uh, Nothing complicated here. We're going to go straight down the middle, just talk about all four games, kind of dig into each one. And we're going to go in chronological order because that's what you're doing when you're doing things by the book. So <laughs> let's begin with the game that is not shockingly the early game on Saturday. <laughs> Big surprise. Uh, the Oakland Raiders visiting the Houston Texans. Uh, I don't know what to say about this game that hasn't already been said. You know, just the most right. underwhelming quarterback matchup quarterback battle, I guess. I'm not even sure it deserves <laughs> that moniker right. that you could really dream up in the playoffs we've already discussed on every platform we have how depressing this is for the Raiders how just kind of par for the course it is for the Texans Danny is there any reason we should be excited about what the on-field product in this game is going to be (laughs) well here one one way that you can look at it is we don't know how bad the Raiders offense has gotten with without Derek Carr yet because obviously they played the the Denver Broncos who have a very strong defense you know very very good pass defense so I don't think we really got a great you know impression of how you know how far they've fallen I think so from that point of view I think you can you can definitely say well maybe that they'll they'll look a lot better in this game than than they did last week with you know I think Connor Cook is starting is that the plan right now Connor Cook is officially starting that is actually going to happen sweet so yeah I mean I, I guess we just don't really still know how you know how far they've fallen off so if anything, it's, I guess, intriguing to see how the Raiders offense will look, you know, against a not, you know, just dominant pass defense. But, yeah, this is, uh, you know, one of the least scintillating <laughs> matchups, I think, in, in recent playoff history. So the my, the story I wrote yesterday on The Ringer and just kind of my premise overall for the Raiders without their quarterback was that they have an offensive line that can dominate people. Yeah. And... They that that was what I thought was going to happen. You know, they have this huge group that I really think can push people around. They did it the first time they played Denver. You didn't see that last week. Two things I'll say about that. One, word is Clutch Assemble was not feeling well, and oh, okay. he, he had a really terrible game. So that was one part of it. Flip side to that, I don't. I think there's a really good chance Donald play does not Donald Penn does not play this week. Ooh, and, and, and it hasn't really been you know. Reported quite that badly, but he, you know, he hasn't. He's mispracticed, but he hasn't been ruled out or anything. I feel like there's a chance he does not play, and if he doesn't play, then you lose that huge part of the left side of your offensive line that I feel like could be the swing factor in this game. So absolutely, it's interesting. You know that I feel like there's two sides to that. You know, if they are, they didn't feel well last week, but then you lose a guy this week. I think that that's probably a net negative in the end. <laughs> right, and I mean one of the so. 
I took a few notes on it, like a couple of interesting stats for, yeah, for yeah. this game. So you and grabbed a couple of them. Let's 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 talk about some things you found and, and some things you found interesting. And it relates to that pen, the pen deal. You know whether or not he plays, whether or not you get a good game from uh, Osa, uh, Osa Lemmy, or sorry, Osemele. Thank you. Never, Come on now. I can never pronounce that. I, I've heard you say it like thirty times on this podcast. It's because he's like my favorite player in the NFL. <laughs> Anyhow, so the Raider, Raiders' offensive line is a little bit in flux. But one of the stats that's really interesting is they only gave up 18 sacks all season, which yeah. was the lowest of any team in the NFL. They have the number one adjusted ra- uh, sack rate in the league per football outsiders. So, you know, obviously it's, you know, I think sack is sort of a quarterback stat. You know, you could say that it depends you know, on how quickly they get rid of the ball and all that. But this is an offensive line, if it's healthy, that can protect pretty well, and that gives Connor Cook a little bit of an advantage. So that was one you know, stat that I thought was interesting, and, and who knows if that means you know, if they're not going to be very as good this week just because of the guys that they're out, but uh, that could be huge. Well, it's not even just that if Penn misses this game. When you look at the reason that they don't get sacked very much, a lot of it is the offensive line and the pockets that are created. They are such a good pass-protecting group top to bottom. And their right tackle has been kind of a problematic spot all year. But outside of that, the other four, all set to go. That starts with Hudson, who's just such a good guy of getting anybody on the same page yeah. and kind of being the leader of that pass, that pass blocking group. But they also do a good job schematically. I mean, they'll send Carr on these angled drops and just have all these combinations to really get the ball out of his hands quickly. And when they don't, they move him away from pressure. Second to that... They just have a guy that is complete control of their offense for the most part. You know, Carr was so good at knowing when the ball had to come out, everything else. So now you take away maybe two parts of that equation. And you do it against a team that is not short on pass rushing talent. You know, Clowney has really come on. Merciless, his sack totals haven't been huge, but I think he's been really good again this season. Mm -hmm. So they have two pretty dominant forces up there that you have to deal with. So if you start ripping away elements of what made this team so good in pass protection that's a way we could see this offense have even more of a hard time moving the ball (laughs) yeah which is just i mean it's just perfect for this matchup because as the further you kind of delve into it, it's like these teams are like built to you know defend each other so the texans are the they're the fifth uh ranked team in dvoa versus the pass too so this isn't like a a cake pass defense that the raiders are gonna have to go against no, they have a lot of talent in the secondary. All those guys are playing really well. It's a good matchup for the, against those wide receivers. All right, any other numbers of note that you found that were interesting before we move on here? Yeah, so one thing that caught my eye, and, and this is another kind of just stat that kind of says it feels like it's going to be a low-scoring game, is you know, despite the Raiders' struggles on defense, they're going to go up against a Texans team who has a really terrible offense, frankly. I mean, they had 25 touchdowns, which is the fewest of any playoff team uh, you know, since the merger, since the 16 game season started, and it's amazing. I mean, that is that's truly amazing. <laughs> Isn't that insane? Ugh. Um, and obviously Osweiler's back at, at the starter. You know, he's gonna he's gonna be out there, and we kind of saw who he was all year. You know, he, I just don't think he's a good quarterback. The Texans were 31st out of 32 teams in red zone percentage, better than only the Jets. So, I mean, I don't know how, who's gonna score in this game. <laughs> I, I have no idea. I honestly don't know. It's it's going to be just... It, it, this one feels kind of like a slog. It's it's going to be kind of an ugly, sloggy type... Like the type of game you expect when two backup-caliber like caliber quarterbacks are playing. 
I, I that brings me to kind of how if somebody's going to score, that brings me to who I think has a chance to be like that quiet hero that we're talking about at the end of this game is over, and that's Jalen Richard in my mind. <laughs> that's I, who I pick too. <laughs> I, I just think that when you have an offense that isn't going to be frightening with in just kind of within itself, that isn't that great just kind of being who it is and needs right. a pop outside of its normal rhythms, he's the type of guy you want. Exactly. I mean, think about all the screen passes, big gains, kind of punt returns that he made plays out of this year. That's the type of guy you need when you don't have solid quarterback play. Absolutely. And I actually picked him as well for my hero of the day. He. This is an interesting stat, too. The Texans ranked 28th against the pass versus running backs this year. So... That's a vulnerability Boom. for them. There you go. That's and fantastic. He, yeah. I mean, he he was their leading receiver at the running back position. You know, he's got a lot of explosiveness. He's kind of. Uh, I saw someone throw out. I can't remember. I should I should credit him. But someone threw out the uh, Darren Sproles comp to him, um, which I can see just you know based on his sort of jittery. I mean, Darren, Darren Sproles, the all time tiny back god. But yes, <laughs> right, I, right. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, um, I, yeah, I mean, I think he's the kind of guy who can you know take a little swing pass and and take it for sixty yards or whatever. So he could be he could be the guy that that makes a difference in this game. You remember last time they played in Mexico City, they had that play in the red zone where. They had him in the shotgun. They motioned him out to make sure that it was man coverage against Bernard McKinney, and then they had him slant back inside for that easy touchdown. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a huge mismatch right there. So if that if that's the type of stuff they can want to do, you remember a couple years ago, I know it's different players, but the Patriots had huge success exploiting the the Texans linebackers in coverage. You know, that's just something teams have gone back to over and over again against them in the playoffs. And I'd be shocked if the Raiders didn't try to do a bunch of that, especially to give their quarterback some easy completions. Absolutely. So I don't think we, we're going we're to build an upset for each of these teams that can't have one. I don't think we need to do that for this game because neither <laughs> right. of it would be, a, it wouldn't be an upset either way. So yeah. I, I guess, how do you see this going? This is this one was really hard for me to pick because I mean everything we've talked about it's just hard to figure out who's you know has the advantage really honestly I guess obviously the Houston's at home so that's big but I picked the Raiders I think if they can run the ball and you know do what the, do what we we're talking about with Jalen Rashard use him as a receiver out of the backfield I think that they can they can score enough points honestly to beat this Houston team I don't think I, I even though I don't really have a ton of faith in the Raider off our defense I just I don't know. I just don't see Houston scoring that many points. So I think that's why I'm going with the Raiders in this one. Uh, I'm doing the same thing, and I just can't believe we're picking <laughs> Connor Cook to win a playoff game on I the know. road. But uh, I know. none of the other factors apply here. So, okay. <laughs> All right. Let's move on let's to the games yeah. that everyone actually wants to talk about. The Detroit Lions going oh to see your Seattle Seahawks on Saturday night. Seahawks are eight points favorites that cannot make you feel good considering the team you've watched for the last month. <laughs> this game makes me nervous, and I feel I feel like any game, honestly, would make me nervous because, I mean, in terms of matchups, I think this is probably the best one for the Seahawks in, ter- in just in the NFC field, but I'm still, you know, not very confident that the Seahawks are kind of, they just don't have their shit together right now, honestly, and so, I don't know, man. <laughs> This is going to be an interesting one. I mean, yeah, it's it seems like both of these teams, in terms of their trajectory coming into this game, the Lions have yeah. been really the same team ever all year. Uh, the only thing that's changed about them of note has been that they've lost Theo Riddick and Matthew Stafford has 
like a wooden hand. Right. So I mean that that's a problem, but it, really everything else has stayed the same. The Seahawks are the exact opposite of that. I mean, they are just on this slow downward trajectory. Yeah. That is the fault, really, just of Earl Thomas being gone. You know, their <laughs> right. offense is going to ping pong. That's just the nature of that group with the line with Wilson's semi-questionable health, I would say. Mm-hmm. The defense has just been on one slow uh, de-evolution into <laughs> hell. I don't, I'm not sure what else to say. <laughs> yeah. But I agree in that I think that this Lions team just isn't a group that is well-suited to take advantage of what the Seahawks do poorly. You have a pass rush that's pretty bad. You know, the yeah. Lions are 25th in adjusted sack rate. They don't have anybody that really gets after the quarterback. And it's not as if they have this pass rush that's quietly effective but doesn't get a lot of sacks like the Giants. They just don't do anything very well. No. I and, mean, it, yeah. <laughs> and who's going to be the guy of the Lions that takes advantage of the Seahawks down the middle of the field? Like, who's that guy? I don't know who he is. The, Se- or the Lions aren't exactly this deep chucking team that right. really puts the fear of God into you when you don't have a free safety. Yeah, I mean, it's like Marvin Jones. I, when I think of their deep passing game, it's like Marvin Jones down the sideline. Exactly. Um, you know, I guess Golden Tate on slants over the middle can be dangerous because he's really shifty after the catch. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Does, does Eric Ebron scare you going up the, the seams? That yeah, would be, we'll get to him. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to him. Oh, okay. Interesting. I, uh, <laughs> I, I feel like when you watch the Lions, you know, so there's some teams when you are taking them in, it doesn't seem like they make certain types of throws. It's anecdotal, but it's like, God, I haven't seen them yeah. throw that sort of ball this season, it feels like. With the Lions, it is that throw down the middle of the field. I just don't think I've seen them make one of those. And when Calvin Johnson was there, that mid-arm angle, Matthew Stafford, 18-yard flick <laughs> right. right up the seam, you saw those all the time. It just doesn't seem like that's a huge part of what Cooter's offense is designed to do because right. it's a dangerous throw. It's not a high-percentage throw unless you're using a bunch of play action, and the Lions running game is about as bad as you can get. So <laughs> right. we don't get much of that. Yeah, and I think that's that's by design. I, it, Cooter came in, and I think one of his main goals was to cut down on Stafford's interceptions, cut yep. down on turnovers, and you know, as a result, we call this kind of a dink and dunk offense. Obviously, uh, he he played Stafford, I should say, played in it really well early in the season. Um, you know, very very efficient, moved the ball, very very good in you know quote clutch situations and late in the game and everything trailing, um, but. It, the, their offense has fallen off a little bit since yeah. his, or actually, I shouldn't say a little bit. It's fallen off a lot since his since his finger injury, and yeah. that's a major concern. It's just not a lot of room for error. You know, when you can't really take chunks of the defense away, and you need to move the ball monotonously, meticulously. Right. You have to make all these plays. If you miss one of these throws, and you're First and your first and ten five yard completion, you dig the second down one into the ground. Now it's third down. You're right. staring at not a lot of room for error. You know, yeah. it's not the Falcons who are ripping off ten yards of play on first down. <laughs> right. it, you're, it's, it makes it really tough. You give yourself just not a lot of wiggle room whatsoever. And again, when you're Chubbs from Happy Gilmore, that makes it a little difficult. <laughs> that is the most amazing visual i've ever heard in my life <laughs> that's great it's just like this giant hand sticking uh, out of his sweater a- alligator cut matthew stafford down in his prime you're pretty sick chubs oh uh, man okay. uh are any other numbers that you wanted to put out here dan that you thought yeah. were interesting so there's a couple that i think are going to make a big you know th- that are a big deal in this game uh the first one i got from shield over at espn he said that 
uh, prior to Earl Thomas getting hurt, the Seahawks defense ranked fifth in DVOA against the pass. Since he's been hurt, I, and that's a span where he's played one quarter, they're thirtieth in DVOA. It's it's remarkable. Thirtieth. It, it's it's like it's. I brought up the Giants today, and we'll get to the Giants, but they went from 30th in defensive DVOA last year to second this year. Yeah, that's which crazy. Aaron Schatz told me yesterday it's the biggest jump in the history of the stat and rankings-wise. Yeah. So Earl Thomas is more or less <laughs> having Landon Collins turn into a superstar, citing Olivier Vernon, Janoris Jenkins, and Damon Harrison. That's how Jeez. good Earl Thomas is. It's the same jump. The crazy thing is... Earl's been around for a while, and everyone generally says he's one of the top free safeties in the NFL. But we've been con- we've been completely underrating him, haven't we? Yeah, it's just uh, it's insane. remarkable. Okay, so then on the flip side, uh, this is two teams with bad pass defenses right now. Let's make that clear. Detroit gave up thirty three passing touchdowns this year, which is the second worst in the league, better only than the Browns, and they allowed. I don't. You mentioned maybe this is an all-time record. I, I don't know for sure. It was seventy-two point seven percent completion rate to opposing quarterbacks. It has hun- to be. <laughs> that would be the NFL all-time completion record. Quarterbacks against the Lions had a hundred and six point five passer rating. They're Aaron Rodgers. If you play against the Lions, you are Aaron Rodgers. And the yes. unfortunate part is that he gets to play against them twice a year. Oh man! So that I mean, so this this is kind of how it, I this could almost this feels like it could be a shootout, which I almost never say with the Seahawks. But I mean, these are two bad pass defenses right now. Okay, so if let's let's build an upset for the Lions here, and if they're if it's going to be a shootout, if you so if you if you think if it's it is a shootout, the Lions can win a shootout with this team. Yeah, I think they can. I, I honestly, wow, okay. I, I think I think Detroit can win. I think watching them last week against the Packers, they looked, they didn't look completely, you know, just terrible. They they yeah. looked pretty solid, and and that's against Aaron Rodgers, who is the hottest player in the NFL right now. Um, obviously, the Packers' pass defense has been struggling, and there were some points scored in that game. So, I don't know. I, I the Seahawks are just struggling right now, and I don't have a ton of faith that they can defend the middle of the field. So for me, the building an upset is what we've talked about. I think if Stafford can exploit the middle of the field, then this is a game. One of the guys that we talked about you know, very briefly earlier, I, I think that if there is going to be a quiet hero for the Lions, it has a chance to be Eric Ebron. And if I'm yeah. building an upset, that's what it is. We see them exploit the middle of the field with him as kind of a speedy element at tight end in a way they haven't all season against a defense that's really struggling there. So if yeah. they can get a couple big plays in that way, if Matthew Stafford can hit a couple big throws, you know that's the type of stuff that they're going to need. They need him to be consistent. And one of the other things, I know he hasn't been done much this season, but I know Zeke Yonsa is questionable coming into this game. Not mm-hmm. sure if he's going to play. He's the type of guy that still has enough talent where he can make one or two plays yep. against that Seahawks offensive line. So that's what they need. You know, they just need a couple scattered plays defensively, a couple big throws for Matthew Stafford, and they need to hope that the Seahawks are this sputtery version of themselves that they've been lately. Yeah, I completely agree. And the way that I picture it is just watch. The Lions this week will run several routes right up the middle of the field and make Steven Terrell decide which one to take. Yep. And that's where Earl Thomas is amazing. That's where he's, you know, like potentially MVP caliber player. Uh, Steven Terrell hasn't proven that he can do it at all. So, yeah, that that's to me the big thing to watch on, on Saturday. Who uh, Who's your guy you're going to be looking at that you think we'd be talking about at the end of the weekend? So my hero of the day will be Alex Collins. Um, right now, Thomas Rawls just isn't running very well. And overall, the Seahawks offense isn't running well. And the run game has been, you know, completely just 
a shell of its former self. You know, obviously with the offensive line has struggled, Marshawn Lynch is gone. Um, but Alex Collins has actually looked pretty solid lately, and he's actually been pretty good as a pass catcher out of the backfield. So um, he might get more snaps than we're expecting. I think, you know, Rawls just isn't sort of playing very well right now, honestly, and Collins has earned more snaps because of it. So he, he's a guy to watch. All right, what do you think is going to go down? Do you think you guys can do what they should here or no? I mean, I, I picked the Seahawks in this one, but again, I'm not like super confident in that. But I, I do think they have they have the advantage. It's a night game at home at CenturyLink, and they're very, very good in that situation over the past couple of years. It's you know, so I, I think that they'll get this one done, but it's probably going to be a little bit of a scary game for me. <laughs> do you think they cover? Um, what is it? You said it was seven, it's eight, eight. No, I don't think they're going to cover. I think that I, I think I agree with you. I feel like it's going to be closer than eight points, but I do think Seattle ends up winning. Yeah, it's going to be one of those like nail biting, you know, pucker games in the in the end of the fourth quarter, as per as per usual with the Seahawks. All right, buddy. Before we get to the other two games, let's hear from one of our sponsors. No team goes into the season without a game plan, and if they did, game day highlights would be nothing more than a football follies compilation. And while follies are hilarious, Buffalo Wild Wings knows fans prefer the taste of glory on game day. The kind of glory that comes with having 21 signature sauces and seasonings to choose from, or a great lineup of cold and refreshing beers on tap, or a collection of wall-to-wall flat screens so big it would make your head spin. We cover all those details, so they add up to the kind of game day experience fans can appreciate. And we do it because we appreciate fans. So, win or lose, if you're a fan, you still win at having the best game day atmosphere there is. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. We do it for you because you're a football fan. All right, Danny, let's get to the Sunday games. Miami going to Pittsburgh. The Steelers, who lost to the Dolphins earlier this year, Mm. are 10-point favorites. Whoa. Yes. That's kind of surprising. That is a lot of points. And I don't know, (laughs) Matt Moore is better than the other quarterbacks we're going to see this weekend. So I I don't really know how to feel about this. Matt Moore is actually, like, if you look at his stats, they're actually pretty solid. I mean, you know, I don't think he gives them the same sort of dynamic uh, versatility or, or multiplicity that that Tannehill does, but he's been pretty solid. I was looking at some of the free agent classes of recent years uh, yesterday when I was trying to write this thing about the Giants. Do you mm-hmm. know Matt Moore has been on the Lions since 2011? On the Dolphins? Or excuse me. I'm <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's all blending together. Yes, he's been on the he's been on the Dolphins since 2011. Wow, that's a that's really like long run for a backup quarterback. Long like, good tenure for you. backup. I Get love that it. backup quarterback money, Matt Moore. <laughs> and he hasn't had to play all that much either. Um, no, I'm. Mean, they drafted Tannehill in 2012. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. He actually has been longer than Tannehill. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess that that's probably that's a big deal. I guess obviously they've kind of gone through some coaching changes over the years, but he's and that's the most it. impressive thing is that he's been able to survive, survive. the turnover there. <laughs> he's like a cockroach. Yeah. Um, <laughs> They do well, do well in Miami. I mean, they love the climate <laughs> down there. <laughs> I mean, I think we can probably get right into the stats because I got one that kind of relates to Matt Moore. And, Let's do it. And just how I don't like. I think he's the X factor. Obviously, I mean, for I mean, clearly, quarterback's important position. Um, but one thing Thank I wrote you, down, Danny Kelly, professional <laughs> football writer. Anal- hashtag analysis. Uh, so actually, one stat that really surprised me about Miami this year, they had 89 big plays, which is defined by rushes of 10 plus yards and pass plays of 25 plus yards, which was fifth most in the NFL, according to uh, SportingCharts.com. And 
I mean, they were pretty balanced at it. They had 56 rushes for for 10 plus yards and 33 pass pass plays. Um, I mean, if you look at some of the teams that are that are the best in this category, you got like the Bills who had a ton of rushes that were over 10 yards, the Cowboys, Falcons, and then the Titans, and, that, and then there's the Dolphins, which I don't know. Just to me, I didn't picture the Dolphins' offense as super explosive, but they kind of are. I do see them that way, and that's how I've seen them all season. Mm-hmm. I've, try, I've tried to say it as often as I can. It's just hard for me to accept, play, <laughs> Understandable, but watching that team, it just seems like they have so many guys that if they get the ball in their hands, they can do dangerous shit. Yeah. And they do it different ways. Obviously, Landry's after the catch. Uh, but Stills, Parker, Stills, Parker's make a bunch of contested catches that mm-hmm. look impressive. Stills is the deep threat. I was going to say the deep threat he was in New Orleans. And I think he might be, just there's no Drew Brees, so we can't know to what <laughs> right. extent. And then Ajayi has obviously done what he has. So yep, yep. I do think that they just have a crop of guys that can go get the ball for you. And when they have it, go make something happen. Which is the perfect sort of you know equation to survive a backup quarterback. So yes, I mean, that, that's why I guess this game d- does feel like it could be closer than a lot of people think it is. I, I agree. And the number that I'm looking at, though, and just kind of the way the Steelers are built, they're 11th in rushing rush, run defense DBOA, which I actually mm-hmm. thought was a little lower than I figured it would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were a little higher there early in the season. They've suffered some injuries up front, which hasn't helped, obviously. But I think that this is a group that it's hard to run the ball down their throats. And I feel like if the yeah. Dolphins are going to have a chance, they're going to need to do a lot of that. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I mean, yeah, because so then that, that kind of puts Matt Moore, it puts it on Matt Moore's shoulders to to sort of carry the offense if that's the case. And that's obviously not what the Dolphins want. Yeah, and the one thing for the Steelers, you know, a reason that they haven't been as good against the run as of late, Stephon too was having a really nice year, mm-hmm. and he missed the last two games. He'll be back for this, and I feel like that is Ooh, a very big. a quietly important factor in what's going to happen on Sunday. Yeah, definitely. I think they've got such big, long guys up front that yes. they can kind of control those gaps and and really you know stifle the you know opposing offensive lines. And that that I think is a very very important addition. I didn't I didn't quite realize that till just now. So yeah, that that's big. Do you have any other numbers that you thought were particularly interesting? Yeah, there's a couple more that I I thought. Well, first of all, I had no idea about this. I saw this the the Steelers Twitter tweeted this out. Le'Veon Bell became the first player in NFL history to average at least 100 yards rushing and 50 yards receiving per game in a season. Yeah, he's really good. <laughs> he's really really good. Um, related to that. This, I think, and obviously, you know, there's some things that make you think the Dolphins could pull it off, but the thing that sort of makes me envision the Steelers just kind of dominating, the Dolphins are a very bad run defense team. They had they gave up 4.8 yards at carry, which is tied for worst in the NFL this year, and 140.4 yards per game, which was 30th. So, I mean, Le'Veon Bell is going to go off. I think that the Dolphins are going to have a hard time in that area, and also... Dolphins are a team that really gets helped when they get pressure. They're like the the Giants in a way. They are mm-hmm. good at getting pressure. They haven't gotten home that much this year, but they influence quarterbacks. Right. And I think against this Steelers offensive line, especially the way they're playing right now, it's hard for me to imagine the Dolphins getting a ton of pressure. And I yeah. feel like if Roethlisberger has time and Bell's going against that run defense, the Steelers are going to be able to move the ball about how they want to. Right. And when I'm picturing this game, you know, apart from the run game sort of carrying Pittsburgh's offense, 
I can just picture Ben Roethlisberger just dumping it off to Le'Veon Bell in the flats, like go to work, you know, like man. twenty times or whatever, you yeah. know, just to just to kill the pass rush essentially. And so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I obviously we can we're kind of skipping ahead, but I'm obviously looking at the Steelers as as the winner in this one. Do you? How would you get to a Dolphins win? Is this just something that's completely based in the run game? Well, this is something I wrote about today, actually, for the Ringer, and I think the one way that the Dolphins can pull this off is if we get bad Ben. Like, uh, basically, you know, Rothis. This is obviously that you have to have a good quarterback to win in the playoffs most of the time. But Ben Roethlisberger has been very Jekyll and Hyde this year. He's totally. had some really, really good games and then some really bad games. Um, it's not sort of one of those things where he just hasn't been consistent. Like it's been the, the swings have been kind of crazy. So if we get bad Ben this week, then that gives the Dolphins a chance. Like the kind of guy who throws multiple interceptions, um, you know, just doesn't have any, you know, doesn't get any traction in the passing game. I think if that's the case, then, you know, the Dolphins have a chance. I, they're, it's pretty interesting splits. This is in Pittsburgh, so that definitely bodes well for Pittsburgh. But Roethlisberger, if they get past the Dolphins, it's going to be a problem because he was really bad on the road this year. He was 59% completion rate, nine touchdowns, eight picks, and a 74 rating on the road compared to 70% completion rate, 20 touchdowns, and five picks at home. Yeah. So, And in I a mean, way, you haven't seen as much from Antonio Brown as a result of all of this. Right. You know, he hasn't been kind of the world-destroying force that we've seen him be in the past. So if, if you're, again, building a case for the Dolphins, if they can have Ben... By, by extension, Antonio Brown taking down a couple notches. They can really focus on Bell. It, it just feels like they have enough talent defensively that if they don't have to worry about every facet of the Steelers' offense, they can survive. Yeah. So I think you can construct a, like a scenario that the Dolphins win. I just feel like the Steelers have a lot of advantages going in right now. I agree. And, and I think that for me with the Dolphins, it's leaning on Jive more or less. Like you really hammering that Steelers team, but also just getting the ball in the hands of your guys, you know, making sure that they touch it and you really mitigate Matt Moore's influence. Right, don't exactly. ask him to make these high-difficulty throws. Make sure that you don't have a game where Jarvis Landry has seven targets and three catches <laughs> for 42 yards. That's not right. – you lose that game. You lose this game if that's how it goes. Right, exactly. Is uh, Did you have a hero of the day or, or is Ajayi your guy? I, I think it's Devontae Parker, honestly. I mm. think that he's the type of guy that, in a way, is somebody that is high variance, is the type of dude yep. that can yep. has the talent to overcome a deficiency in your team. If you're the worst team, he's the type of guy that can really make up for that. So I, that's I'd like to see a big, big play, either from him or from Stills. Yeah, I think that could definitely factor in. My guy is Eli Rogers. For the Steelers, um, yep. you know, he's quietly had a really good three-game stretch. Over the last three weeks, he's had he's caught 15 of his 17 targets for 220 yards and a touchdown. Obviously, he had a very big catch against the Ravens that, you know, a huge, you know, clutch catch in the fourth quarter. So he's the kind of guy who I think could be a factor, you know, past the Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, Ben, ben Roethlisberger, you know, superstar trio. Um, he's also their one of their punt returners, so that could factor in. All right, buddy. Let's get to the marquee. Let's do it. I am very excited. I will be in attendance for this football game. Ooh, nice. And I'm very much looking forward to it. The <laughs> New York Giants headed to Green Bay. I uh, I wrote this this morning, uh, so I'll jack it for my own thing. Uh, if, if Aaron Rodgers is a Drogon right now, I feel like the 
Giants are the only team that has a chance to be the White Walkers. I mean, it's, <laughs> they're the only team that has the equal and opposite power that he has. <laughs> and uh, it is going to be very, very fun to watch. I know. This is actually like the perfect wild card game because you got probably the hottest. I mean, you could you could debate it with, with the Falcons, but probably the hottest offense in the NFL right now against the best defense in the NFL. Yep. So. Yeah, I mean this is this is a huge huge matchup and you know if there's one team that can kind of neutralize Rodgers it might be the Giants like you said. So, uh any numbers of note that you found looking into this? Yeah, I actually had written down that that the DVOA jump that the Giants took, the best year-to-year improvement in DVOA ever. They went from 30th to 2nd, which is yep. just gives you an idea of of how good this, you know, that that free agent class has been. Yep. Um they want to I got a, there was a stat from Nathan Yonke at, at PFF uh, the only defensive lineman with 50 plus run stops in a season in the past decade, JJ Watt in 2012, Watt in 2013, and Damon Harrison in 2016. It's amazing. And, and it's, I've said, I wrote this this morning or last night about this class. It is so hard to give that much money to dudes who have deficiencies either in their production or in their makeup and mm-hmm. have them live up to their contracts. And all three have. That's, That's almost impossible to do. Yeah. I mean, plus you've had huge, huge improvement from Landon Collins, which has that's been, been another of, factor, obviously, a huge catalyst. Yeah, um, Dominique Rogers Cromartie has really come on the last couple of games. Hitting on Eli Apple was important. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just they've done it all. They've done yeah. it. I th- the two to me perfect off seasons were the Giants and what the Falcons did, and yeah. drafting Deion Jones, yep. drafting Keanu Neal, signing Taylor Gabriel, getting Alex Mack. That's a pretty good run. And the Giants went Absolutely. on one that was similarly impressive. Yeah, it's kind of like all the stars are aligning for him right now. Yep. Defensively. And that kind of leads me into the flip side, which is offensively, it's a different story. Um, this was, I can't remember where I saw this, but basically the Giants have scored t- fewer than 20 points in five straight games, the longest streak since Eli's rookie year. Um, I think it was Chris Wessling who tweeted this. And so that that's that's kind of crazy they're, they're 26 ranked scoring offense after at the end of the year um so i mean it's a really really pretty bad offense other than odell beckham I, uh, eli manning is not having a good year no uh, he's not and that's why if i was trying to we we're talking about who's going to be the hero for the giants and figuring out who would be if it weren't odell beckham kind of a quieter guy it's hard to piece one together because you figure yeah. maybe they'll run the ball a little bit better but that's what the packers defense does still Right, they can that's still the only thing. defend you. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, could you see a big game from Sterling Shepard? Could you see a big game from Victor Cruz? It just feels like that's not in the cards. Yeah, I could see. I could see Shepard catch a touchdown in this game. I think he's been their second best receiver this year. Um, when you tilt your defense to Beckham, he's the kind of guy who can get you a touchdown or two. Um, and the thing is, like, the Packers' defense is still bad. Like, it's really struggling in the back end. Their cornerbacks are not playing well. They've been really banged up. So, you know, if there's a team that the Giants can score on, it should be the Packers. So, you I mean, maybe they can, you know, keep it close that way. I think this is going to be just a great – this is just a great matchup, like, across the board. Yeah, I totally agree. It, is there one particular element of the offense versus defense matchup that you're excited to watch? Well, yeah, the the one thing, this is my hero of the day, so we'll kind of mix those together. Jared Cook has been a pretty big 
you know, it, the number, the raw numbers aren't like amazing, but like I think the element that he brings to the Packers offense has been big. He's kind of like that seam running guy, uh, matchup type of guy that they can split out and do things, um, do things with. And this is another Chris Wessling stat that I saw yesterday. Since Cook returned in Week 11, <clears throat> uh, he's had 10 catches on third downs uh, for 175 yards. So, or, and, and so Rodgers has 118 rating targeting Cooks on third down, or start targeting Cook on third down. So that's huge. Yeah, I mean, I, I I totally agree. I mean, I think that that's just Cook in that regard. Just seems like he could make some plays for them, and, and yeah. I think that's what they need. They need to find some plays outside of the normal rhythms of Jordy Nelson, and whatever else. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know, it, it, especially against a defense that has strong cornerback play, um, you know, pretty solid front. That that might be sort of the soft spot in that defense. Uh, all right, but Danny, uh, build me an upset. Give me, give me just one <laughs> thing you think that the Giants need to do in order to make this happen. Well, I mean, I think clearly it comes down to stopping Rodgers. And if they can, I, I'm trying to figure out how you beat Rodgers at this point because obviously he's just so dangerous, whether he's inside or outside the pocket. But I think a way to kind of maybe help make this happen with the strong secondary they have is to kind of mush rush him and keep him in the pocket. Yeah, be- I agree. Be- because when when he gets outside the pocket and extends plays for like eight seconds, literally there's nothing you can do in a secondary. Like you're there, there's a guy going to get open in their scramble drill. So per, pretty much, I mean, obviously it's it's choosing it's a catch twenty two because he's really good in the pocket too. But um, I saw this stat last week. He led the NFL in touchdown passes from outside the pocket this year with thirteen. Um, so what I think they want to do is probably try and keep him contained in that pocket and make throws from there. Even though he's good there, I think he's a little, you know, that's a way to mitigate what he does outside the pocket. I feel like they need to play a decent amount of man coverage because they have so much more talent than the Packers do in the secondary. Mm -hmm. So if their secondary talent is better, I think that you kind of lessen the impact of that if you play a ton of zone. But if you play a man, then you worry about (laughs) Rodgers moving a little bit. Right. And maybe getting outside the pocket, whatever else. So I think that contain becomes huge. And that's why guys like Olivier Vernon are so good because he isn't just a speed terror. He's really, really disciplined against mm-hmm. both the run and in kind of staying in lanes, everything else. So I think that in that way, they're just well set up to attack this Packers offense. Yeah. So this is, I mean, we've seen what they've done to the, to the Cowboys. You know, obviously the Cowboys have a great offense and they've stifled them. I think that, I think that the Giants could stifle this Green Bay offense and we could end up with a low scoring game. What do you think happens? I'm going with the Packers. It's just tough to pick against Aaron Rodgers right now. That's where I'm I mean, at, man. He's just seeing the field so well. He He's, he's got that shit eating grin back. You know what I mean? Like he's just, He's in the zone. I know that's kind of just like one of those like cliches or whatever, but it's really true. Like he's just feeling it. He's seeing the field really he, well. He is. He's feeling it. He's feeling the flow, <laughs> doing the bull dance. He's feeling himself. I mean, like he's got that. He's got that swagger back, which it's just. I mean, it's just kind of terrifying for anyone who has to play him. As we said earlier this week in the office, he's the most terrifying man since Archer in a turtleneck. <laughs> yes, his, tactical his, the, the, ta- the tactical turtleneck, man. It's the tactile neck. Oh, oh, fear man. the tactile neck. <laughs> All right, buddy. I got to get out of here. Uh, I feel like we should get out of here. Uh, me and Kevin will be back doing our normal Monday show after these games. Please enjoy the wild card weekend. I know I certainly will be. And as always, we appreciate you guys listening.